Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. We're all looking for ways to save, especially on medical bills. But where do you start? Unless you're a medical billing expert, finding savings can seem impossible. HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance and flags errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Saving starts with knowing where to look. Visit HealthLock.com today before you see another healthcare provider. Good morning, peeps, and welcome to Woke AF Daily with me, your girl, Danielle Moody, recording from the home bunker. Folks, there are times when I literally am so consumed with so many feelings about the last seven or eight years and what we are all living with, working with, dealing with, how we are all managing to continue to produce and work through trauma after tragedy after trauma after tragedy for the last eight years. I don't think that we do enough in terms of really asking ourselves, are we okay? Really asking our friends and our family, how are you really doing? And so I found myself today as I was sitting down for this interview with my friend, Jennifer Taub, who you guys know, she's come on Woke AF. She's a friend of the show and She's the author of the book, Big Dirty Money, and she does white collar crime. And I've had her on and to talk about, you know, so many of Donald Trump's crimes and, you know, and other wealthy entities and capitalism and all of these things. That's not the conversation we get into today. It's the first time that Jen and I are talking since the new year. And both of us found ourselves in a really deeply reflective and just introspective place. So if you are out on a walk and listening to this, if you are home, grab a cup of tea, a cup of coffee, and just settle into a conversation about how the fuck are we really doing? You know, I know it's supposed to be new year, new me, 
calendars change and yet things don't feel different. And if they do feel different in a lot of respects, outwardly around the world, it feels worse. So we're going to get real and we're going to unpack in a way that I don't usually use woke AF to do so, but today it feels necessary. So join us. Coming up next, my conversation with author, podcaster, and professor and all-around badass, Jennifer Taub. Folks, uh, I am so happy uh, to welcome back to the show my friend, Jennifer Taub, uh, who this is our first show together on Woke AF since, uh, since the new year. So happy new year to you. Uh, you guys know Jen. She is the author of Big Dirty Money, The Shocking Injustice and Unseen Cost of uh, White Collar Crime. She's also a fellow nerd Avenger. She is also uh, the host of Booked Up with uh, Jen Taub. So if you want to be in a good podcast uh, book club, uh, check out her podcast. Uh, and, and Jen, I, I will let you uh, plug it when we wrap at the end. Um, but, you know, I, I want to start off by asking you just what seems like a relatively easy question, but I find it to be more and more complex as time goes by, which is how are you doing? Right? Like there's so Ooh. much that goes into <laughs> our thinking of this flipping of the calendar, the shifting of the year, these grandiose plans, these resolutions, I, you know, and yet it seems to be the same old shit, but with a different number attached to it. So I genuinely, you know, my friend, how are you doing? I'm so glad you asked that because it should be a simple question, right? There's mm -hmm. a, for the non-friend, you're like, I'm fine, or I'm having a hard time or whatever. For a real friend, that's a hard question because you've got to be honest and <laughs> not superficial. And I don't know how I am. Like I seem to be outwardly accomplishing a lot of the goals I want to accomplish. My relationships with friend and, friends and family are good. I feel like my mental health is in a reasonably good space. I feel healthy otherwise. And yet there's this part of me that's like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not fooled by this. Like the real me, it's kind of like, I see, I see, I see you're moving around. I see you walking around, but are you really attending to the deeper stuff? And mm -hmm. I think the answer to that is no. That is no. Because we have been through so much mm -hmm. since 2015. Um, our world has been turned upside down. Some things are good. I probably would not have met you if yeah. we had not all moved over into yeah. so much of these Zoom spaces and so on. And, you know, we could go on in that. But, you know, that's water under the bridge now. We mm -hmm. all we have the relationships we have. We have the bad stuff we have. But I think the deeper, I think it's time for some, you know, turning things over and some some deeper understanding of how I'm doing, how the world is doing, and how and how to um, move forward into the next period of my life. You know, I am. Um, I uh, full disclosure. I just finished therapy uh, as I come to turn on uh the the mic to be in conversation with you and I realize now that that was I like the perfect thing to do 
um, because I'm having similar deeply introspective moments and times when I, because when I pull back, Jen, and I realize, my God, we've been through a lot. In you know, been through a lot where folks, you know, before we turn hit and hit record, we're like 2015, what's that been? Seven, eight years? Like what, like, what are we talking about in terms of like a time frame? Because, you know, jokingly, I will say often, well, time is a construct, it, and it truly is, but that we've been living inside of this weird wormhole. And the idea that we've had to continue to produce, because that's what capitalism requires during this time of great upheaval and strife and upending of systems and worlds that we have been indoctrinated into participating in in a certain type of way, that when I pull back just a little bit from the doing and the producing, Jen, I'm like, how the fuck are we all getting off the couch every day? Like, how are we all, and we're, we, we all are in a different state and place of, you know, in, the, in 2021, the New York Times referred to it as languishing. That's not it. Because it isn't, for me, it isn't this sense of languishing, this, this kind of, it is just this, I didn't know that the upheaval would feel like this. I didn't know that I would still have to be doing the normal, regular shit as the world around us is falling apart. It's funny, I you know, as we're talking, I'm thinking about, well, when did this begin? Mm-hmm. And I, I'm thinking it goes 15 years with the financial crash of t- 2008 mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. Because that was a huge awakening, a huge, huge political and philosophical awakening for me in that I always believed if stuff went down and it was really bad, the ordinary people would not be left to, you know, millions of families kicked out on the street, everything that went down then. And that's what happened. And I also believed, you know, oh my God, there's this reckoning. Looks looks like, you know, having too much wealth in the hands of people who can't spend it and are just chasing an investment, I guess we're going to understand that that's a bad part of capitalism and we'll take the good stuff, some aspects of markets, but we'll also take the good stuff around, you know, more socialism in terms of let's have government do some things for people. Like I thought we were going to get a better balance mm-hmm. and instead mm-hmm. that's not what went down. Mm-mm. And I think it was like, um, I think what happened then at that time we are still feel, feeling the shock waves of that, honestly, globally too, because you know you got. I mean, it was already happening in the '90s. The return of you know neo-fascism or the return of fascism in the form of neo-fascism in Europe. But I get the sense that in the U.S., the ability to pin the economic problems mm-hmm. on the usual suspects. Yep. Yep. starts happening then. And so as much as we can mock economic anxiety, that economic anxiety was exploited and turned around. And everything, you know, the Tea Party came out in 2009. You look at all the stuff that went down, instead of taking that opportunity at the end of the Bush era, um, in early Obama era, to say, let's help everybody out. We're all in this together. And let's rethink things. It didn't go. It didn't go in that direction. 
And some, you know, and I feel like the same thing um, continues to happen. The difference, of course, is during COVID, it was so much more of an immediate shock to the economic system that everybody, and also because it was a white Republican president and everyone was fine throwing money at the problem, right? I don't think Barack Obama got the support that he needed um, yeah. in terms of the stimulus. There was a lot that went, went down in 2009 that set the table for getting someone like Donald Trump in place. And then the effect of where we are now still, um, I mean, the fact that we have these insurrectionists in Congress on the Homeland Security Committee, the fact that we've got this complete fake, a bigger fake than Donald Trump, who is not just seated in Congress, but they're giving him committee assignments. I don't even know who the hell he is. Look, I'm sitting here going, you know, for all the stories we used, not stories, all the fear people used to, have and say like, well, if such and such a happens, then democracy is over. I mean, people, we got to, <laughs> how can this even be happening? Like, and why, okay, now I'm going to rant. Why the fuck is it, is the, what the, what the new, the news should be doing right now, what journalists should be doing, there should be two kinds of stories. One story should be, hey, American people, there are thousands of dollars in rebates and tax credits available for you. If you go green, here's how you do it. Because my friends don't even know. All people know is some stupid culture war between a gas stove versus an induction top stove. How about talking about, hey, you are going to renovate your house or you have a crappy old stove. You can get a free one and free labor if you do this. Why aren't those the news stories? And the other news stories should be what the fuck is going on with the Republicans? They've got a guy involved in a Ponzi scheme, complete liar, and they're putting him on committees. There should not be a single story about Joe Biden's documents in the newspaper because I don't give a fuck. And nobody does. And I don't know what is going on. Anyway, I, I'm sorry. No, you need to hear me ranting. So no, I'm not that, doing okay. <laughs> no, but 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 that is the that is the that's not just your rant. That is the <laughs> rant of anyone who is in touch with reality and and what's happening not only with us internally as we continue to figure out how to make sense out of a world that we realize was built on a lie. You know, I said the other day, I, and I forget who I said it to, but I said, you know, the funny thing about K through 12 education and public, public school education is that it's built on a lie about who America is and about who Americans are and who we are to the world. And you spend your whole adult life, if in fact you are in tuned and you're thinking to yourself with that nagging suspicion that something just doesn't seem right. This story just doesn't come together completely in the way that it should. And if you are intellectually curious in that way, in nimble, then you're going to start to challenge the things that you were learned. And so what then adulthood becomes is this entire unlearning of everything that you were taught for the first 18 years of your life, right? And that becomes something that is incredibly painful because one, you want to believe that you were smarter than that. And then two, you're like, what do I do with this information? Because now that I have it and the system seems so big and the, and the ruse seems so huge and the Ponzi scheme is not just in one area, it's in all systems that is built to uphold the uber wealthy, the uber white, right? The faux Christian nationalists and everybody else be damned. COVID allowed us to see the real truth behind the curtain and the lie, right? Because we, there was no way to avoid 
why you were why you wanted to open up a state when you realized who the who the vaccine was i mean who the the who was being most harmed and you say liberate this place and liberate that place because you could give a fuck if the people that are dying are the essential workers that we say are essential but we don't essentially pay them a fucking living wage Right. But we were all able to stay shuttered in our homes so that black and brown people and immigrants and low income workers could be out there literally battling a fucking virus. Right. So that we could all stay safe inside. So who did we realize mattered and who didn't? And I think that there is something that becomes, Jen, like. Really um, existential about that reality. It's, it's, it's hard to look yourself in the mirror when mm-hmm. you think about it. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, I'm part of a system that I, I did go back to work at a school, but I was wearing a mask um, and I wasn't there all the time. And in fact, we dropped the mask requirement, I guess it was last spring and it was this past fall. <laughs> That's when I got COVID for the first time. Mm-hmm. But by the time I got it, I had been vaccinated four times. Yep. And I felt safer and I got the Paxlovid. I wasn't scared because I'm an asthmatic, you know, um, and I was scared like, holy shit, because I'm the person who gets every, you know, you name an upper respiratory infection. It's like, hey, there's Jen's lungs, you know? <laughs> so I um, I was scared. I, I, I want to go back though too to like this whole, okay, where are where are the news stories? Like you know how people are like going, oh, you have you know all these people. I could name them who come on the morning shows and TV, mm-hmm. and they say, look, you go to the store and this costs more. And yeah, I pay. You know, I was just at the grocery store today, and I was surprised how few bags I had and how much money it was. Okay, that's absolutely true. But you know how much money I could save if I replaced the old stove we put in this house. We bought a really old house in what was it twenty two thousand six, and it's a gas stove and. It's going to cost, I can get an $800, what, rebate or credit plus labor. I could get that thing taken out, something else put in. It's safer for all of us. That's a lot of, that's a lot of trips to the grocery store. And it stimulates the economy. That means someone local here is going to do it. That means I'm going to shop in a local appliance store. Well, I want to, I want them to walk around an appliance store on every fucking news show and say, this is nice. What does it do? How fast does it work? What would it cost? That would be free. And here's why, because if you make this amount of money, this, and then I want them to go to the home improvement store. I'm not making this stuff up, Danielle. It's real. And the word isn't getting out there. And I don't know whose fault it is that the word isn't getting out there, but I think someone needs to be pitching these stories. Maybe I should pitch them. I I mean, I, I should talk to people I know who are on television, but this should be everywhere. Why is it only a story if someone's doing something bad instead of a huge multi-billion dollars worth of savings for the American people? Why Why isn't that a story? Why is it only a story if I'm paying more on milk or pay more for gas? Which by the way, they got the gas prices down. You don't hear about that. No, because that is not what leads in newsrooms. Outrage does. And once we decided that journalism was dead and that we were all going to just put out whatever was going to be clickbait, then telling those good stories, who is that good for? Because I'll tell you that 
that I will never forget this, walking the halls of MSNBC. Trump is elected. This is pre-pandemic. And I heard a producer say, he's bad for the country, but he's good for business. You know what's good for business? The advertisements, though, for all these appliances. (laughs) I mean... Or maybe they're just not ready. Maybe the manufacturers aren't ready to advertise, but like, fuck, aren't these? What? But I, I don't you understand. To, you come from a place of thinking that people don't share good information because they don't know. And what I've come to realize is that they do know, they absolutely do know, and they don't give a fuck. Oh. Yeah. That is the reality. It isn't just like, I wish that people understood. I wish that the people that were sitting in these C-suites and making decisions about what the segments should be and who goes on air and what is delivered, I wish that, you know, they just knew. No, they do, Jen. They just don't care, right? Because the reality is, is that if everyone was doing well, then there wouldn't really be the bottom of the pyramid, would there? Right? And you need to have an oppressed, marginalized, just sick enough class of people so that the uber-rich can live the way that they want. So you have to deny education. You have to deny access. And then you have to make it somebody else's fault so that they don't realize who's really pulling the strings. So the whole obedience, so someone's doing the jobs and paying mm-hmm. up through the, the pyramid, is that, your, is that what you're getting at? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And, you know, it's interesting that uh, just Larry Summers, when he was doing some kind of television interview from... Did you see this from a beach resort, island resort? There are like palm trees behind him. And he's saying, you know, you know, the, you know, the trade-off people often talk about between employment and inflation. He's like, yeah, we've got too many people employed just the way it is. And he's sitting there like with the palm trees. And I was like, you know, you don't even know how to manage that image. <laughs> really? And if that's, but by the way, if that's going to be the orthodoxy and I, that, you're going to have to have a certain level of unemployment, then there should be a better fucking safety net. But you don't want a safety net because you believe that most people who don't look like you, don't love like you, don't share the same fucking nasty, immoral values are undeserving. If everything is about a safety net and you believe through some mythical form of thinking that you've pulled yourself up from your bootstraps, which is a fucking lie, and you believe that you are somehow anointed, which is what we think about the royal family and what they've told us for generations, right? If you think all of these things- Right, like the divine right. (laughs) Right, then why would you provide anything to these other people, right? Why don't they just do for themselves the way I did for myself? Like, are people born thinking that way? No. Okay. Because I it's never a, thought that way. It's like, I don't. Maybe no, my parents and, didn't teach me that, but, but I, I never thought entitled. I never felt entitled, um, and I felt empathy always and uh, and privilege. Like I. But I will tell you, as somebody who grew up middle class, 
And I am a child of immigrants who left Jamaica and came to the United States to build a better life for their family, that I, when I was very young, was fed the lie about Black Americans that had been absorbed and spread around because everyone participates in white supremacy. And so the idea was like, well, look at us. We came from Jamaica. We were able to buy homes and build lives and businesses and this, that, and the other thing. Why can't those black Americans do that? And That's it wasn't, understandable. And it, but it wasn't right. until like, then I would learn and understand and challenge this very stupid idea that I was, that was being taught to me by virtue of my family, but also through an education system and society right. that was reinforcing that same lie. When I say understandable, I don't mean accurate. I mean, the way I relate to that is I had so much internalized patriarchy. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was luckily one of the kind of kids who learned easily, who was a good people pleaser, who did well in school. And I became, and I was, you know, I went to partially, it was all girls middle school, and then the upper school was co-ed. And I, and everyone would say, you know, girls don't talk in class. And I was like, well, that's their own fucking fault. I, I don't believe this. Don't you? They should just do it because I'm a, an annoying talker, interrupter, whatever. And I believed until my, and through my 20s that, you know, women could get as far as men because I was always getting as far, mm -hmm. if not farther, and men respected me and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I don't know where the moment I realized suddenly, I mean, I kind of do, but without getting into all of it, is that there was no sweet spot all of a sudden. Like everything worked fine for me until, you know, I think I got to that glass ceiling. And then I also looked around and said, I don't know if I like these values. I don't know if yes. I like to relate to everybody in this way. And I don't, and I see how cutthroat it can be. Um, there's a lot of stuff, but I, so if, if I can internalize all of that, I can see why you would too, if those are the stories you're told. And I was definitely told those stories that, oh, women make these choices. Somebody asked me the other day, it's like a really valid question. And they're like, you know, I'm just so interested to talk to you about your career path because like, you're an out black queer woman and you've been so successful. And I'm just like confused about how that has happened. Like, what mm. have you faced? And like, what are like, what are the challenges, you know, that you have faced? And I said, um, that is a really good question. And I'm going to be really honest with you. I've had like very minimal hardship in terms of things that I have faced because any microaggressions um, around my race uh, and gender that I have faced, I have readily pushed back on because I had a certain amount of privilege that afforded me the ability to do that, right? Um, and so- You had the same- that from your family or from, from my your family. That's exactly without that's that exactly you wouldn't be able you to wouldn't. push back. No, right. You would take it, swallow it, shrink, and then do whatever it is you had to do in order to move forward. I didn't have to do that. But then recognizing that, just like you did, wait a minute. People are not choosing to do that. Like this is 
We are, happen to be an anomaly. And why are we an anomaly? Oh, because of these things that these other people didn't have access to, right? right? And so right. recognizing that to me is what conscious raising is truly about. It's we're not all the fucking same. Exactly. Right. And the luck. I mean, I think along the way, it wasn't just your upbringing giving you the confidence, a story you had in your head, but I can point to all the people who saw the, the real me along yep. the way and helped me, even though I had kind of pointy elbows. And not everyone gets that. I mean, you could go back and think of moments where your life could have been hugely different. A hundred percent. I mean, I tell people, particularly my friends that are attorneys, right? I say, I wanted to go to law school. That was the only thing that I wanted to do post-undergrad. And I had the white male professor who told me I wasn't smart enough to go to law school. So I didn't go. That is the mm. one regret that I have. In my, and I almost went back, but then I was just like, why incur the debt? Because I'm doing all the same jobs that everyone around me is doing. With, right. Without the law degree, right? right? It wasn't a hindrance. And people say, well, they were making more money. No, not necessarily. Not necessarily. So, it, you know, so it, it was a learning, but I say that to people often because one person was able to turn, shift my life trajectory. Yeah. yeah. And so what if you have a whole bunch of people like right. that? Do you right. know what I'm saying? So it's like recognizing and again, having the privilege and the time and the space and the thinking to be able to unpack those things. Sure. You know, and be able to sit here and say, yeah, it's been eight years and this shit is <laughs> fucking crazy. Yeah. Like we are living in crazy, crazy times. But this, oh my gosh, I just figured something out between the two of us in our little therapy session. We start out by saying, well, on the outside, we're doing blah, 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 blah. Because our whole life, we have survived by doing all the things. Yes. Right? And that's what we do through good, through bad. If it's snowy, it's like we're the mailman in the poem. Like, it doesn't mm -hmm. matter. Is it snowy? Is it raining? Is the whole country burning down? We're going to be there doing our thing. <laughs> the thing. It doesn't. You have no idea how we're really doing it. And sometimes we don't know because I think we've learned to tune that out. And there's a benefit to dialing it down, but not turning it off. And so I think I'm trying to take moments where I'm really, you know, going, how are you really doing? Yes. And it's the moments that I'm really, that I'm taking with friends, that I'm taking with family and folks that are listening to this. If you haven't asked yourself or those around you because you're afraid of what the answer is, like sit with that as well. Because I think that we are all in some shape or form lying to ourselves because the reality of what we're experiencing is so fucking crazy and hmm. deep and we just don't have the, the arm span to wrap our arms around what is going on. Right. So we just continue the doing and the producing and the moving along, hoping that the tides change. I think the one thing that helps me is listening to music, music, new music that I haven't listened to before and stuff I'm familiar with, because I think it's funny. Some people um, lead with emotion. I just 
it's deep. I, I got to really find it for me. I mean, I, 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 I care, but my, but that caring is, is a thinking emotion, right? To feel I really need and tap into that. So like listening to music, going for walks and really doing that. But also, like you said, checking in with the people I'm close to and say, how are you really doing? Yeah. And they tend to tell me I'm around people who are much more emotive than I am, honestly. And and I, I too am around people that are very emotive. And the thing that I have been doing similarly, my therapist said, you need more beauty in your life. You need to be reminded of art and music and that there is still beauty that is being produced and expressed and you need to consume that. With the vigor, so much agree. Yeah, with the vigor that you consume all that is wrong. Yes, you know it's funny. I in fall of twenty twenty, or was it twenty twenty one? All the things blend together. It was twenty twenty one, right? So we had kind of been vaccinated, and I I go out, and I um I came down to New York actually to go to a friend's book party, and I had to kill some time because I drove in and I drove out. And uh, I parked right at the Met because there's actually pretty cheap parking up there, right in the museum. And I went in there and I almost started to cry, like from looking Mm. at art because I realized how impoverished I'd been and how beautiful it it felt to me. Dance, because then there aren't words, Mm -hmm. especially things without words. I mean, you and I live in it with words. Mm-hmm. Maybe no words. Yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe look at paintings and dance and for maybe music without words. Because yeah. I think we'd both need that. I have um I recently and um the thing that I will tell people, I, I recently I went to over the holidays I saw Alvin Ailey, um, which is a tradition that I love and like can try and restore now that we're managing to live with COVID. Incredible. Um, did they do revelations? Oh my God. Yes. <gasps> uh, oh, and sorry. It, I'm just- yeah. And, you know, just sitting there and being able to take in the beauty of movement, of spirit, of music, and just like, it was similarly how you said when you went into the Met, like I, I did cry. Because I realized that, oh, this still happens in the midst of all that is occurring. It always has. It always has. Right. But it's the remembering to remind yourself to consume it, right, in that, in the way that is needed. And I don't say in a way that is balanced because we need to be taking in more art more music, more nature, more community than we are uh-huh. the toxicity. Yes. So final thoughts, Jen, to you. What advice do you take um, and do you offer to those listening about how to connect with the truth and not just the veneer of, I'm fine? To say it's okay not to be fine. I mean, we all have a finite, you know, when, you know, we have a finite experience here on this earth, whether you believe in an afterlife or not, 
this is what we have. And we have the relationships and we have art and we have making a difference. And the reason why we should be staying politically engaged and seeing things as they are isn't just for us, but it's for the next generation and the next one. And that's our part. And I think we see ourselves, I, you know, I'm thinking about, God, is it the end of, um, I haven't read it in so long, but maybe Anna Karenina, um, where like whoever the guy in, in Tolstoy's novel is seeing himself um because he goes through this this whole process of trying to figure out who he is, religion-wise, and all this stuff. And then he finally situates himself in this long arc of history. And that's us. Like we, we're part of thousands upon thousands of mm-hmm. years. And people are making gorgeous artwork during the plagues. And people, you know, and people are doing incredible things during AIDS. And people now have found ways to express and meet during these terrible times. And the sun always rises. Yep. And there can be that feeling of warmth of sun on your skin. And there can be all of these things, the good and the bad in the world. And that happens. And it's our job to also be alive to that, even as we understand that this political world and this economic system is really unfair and fucked up. And we can try to move it into a better place. But that work is never going to be done in our lifetime. Nope. But our lifetime is going to be done in our lifetime. And we can't rob ourselves and the people we love around us of that full self, human self that can enjoy beauty, feel pain, and show love. Jennifer Tom, I don't know, this was not an interview. This was more so a a beautiful, imaginative intervention. And I appreciate you so very much. Thank you for making the time for Woke AF. Thank you so much. I didn't know I needed this too. <laughs> Who knew? That is it for me today, dear friends on Woke AF. As always, power to the people and to all the people power. Get woke and stay woke as fuck. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Awards Watch says Liam Neeson is at his best. Don't miss In the Land of Saints and Sinners. Having left his dark past behind, retired hitman Finbar Murphy, played by Neeson, leads a quiet life in a remote coastal Irish town. But when a menacing crew of terrorists arrive, Finbar is drawn into a vicious game of cat and mouse, forcing him to choose between exposing his secret identity or defending his friends and neighbors. In the Land of Saints and Sinners, from Samuel Goldwyn Films and Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. Watch it now on digital. Rated R. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.